Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the Judge of the Judges as we pick up in Psalm chapter 82, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. And because he holds the power of a person's life and destiny, God called judges gods. So God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the judges, or God will be judging the judges. I'm glad for that. I'll be glad to see a few of the judges judged. Not that I have ever gotten a bad deal from a judge. Fortunately, I haven't had to face them, but I do not believe that justice has prevailed always in our courts. I think that our judicial system is at times a disgrace. Now, God judging among the judges said, how long will you judge unjustly and you accept the persons of the wicked? In other words, he's a famous person, he's a wealthy person, or he's a powerful person, he's a mafioso. So they, they judge unjustly because they accept the persons of the wicked. To be true in judgment, you'd have to look at every man alike, rich and poor. You couldn't have any respect to a person's past or anything else. You'd have to be judging simply on, on the basis of the charges that are brought against him as he stands there, just like he was anybody. But yet, judges were judging unjustly because they were accepting the persons. God said to the judges, hey, defend the poor and the fatherless. One of the problems with our just judicial system today is, is the fact that Money, really, is the thing that counts, it seems. If you're poor, then you can't afford a good attorney and, uh, you know, you can't afford to put up a good defense. But if you're rich, then, you know, you can afford to put all kinds of delays and appeals and and on and on and on, and and justice doesn't pre veil on an equal basis throughout our whole society. And that isn't true justice. And God is saying to the judges, now look, don't accept a person just because he's wealthy. You take care of the poor. You take care of the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and to the needy. Deliver the poor and the needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness, and all of the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said that ye are judges, or ye are gods, and all of you are the children of the Most High. So this is, of course, I have said ye are gods. This is a direct reference to Exodus uh, chapter 22, where God does refer to them as Elohim, which is translated, as I said, judges, but it is the Hebrew Elohim gods. Now, 
Jesus quoted this in the Gospel of John when the Pharisees were getting ready to stone him. He said, I've done a lot of good things among you. For which of these things are you going to stone me? And they said, not for the good things, but we're stoning you because you being a man are continually making yourself the son of God. And he said, well, you know, I said that ye are gods. Why should you stone me? Because I say I'm a son of God. Now, he said, ye are gods here in Exodus 22 as he is speaking to the judges. He's speaking to men that he appoints uh, or that were to be appointed who have the power over a person's life. And that's what your God is. Whatever it is that's holding power over your life is your God. So if this man sitting on the bench has your life in his power, the control of your life in his hand, then he is a God. He's, he's, he's controlling your destiny. And so the Mormons, of course, have taken this up and they've made a whole fanciful doctrine out of it, the idea that ye are gods. And they say, well, if you are a good Mormon and if your marriage is sealed in the temple, and if you'll wear the proper underwear to ward off the evil and all. And if you are faithful to Mormonism, and if you remain faithful to Mormonism, then you and your wife, when you die, ascend into the God level. And you and your wife can go off to some planet in the universe. And you can bear children there. And you will be God over that planet. And you can watch your children grow and develop. And you'll be God over the whole scene and uh, watching over them and, and caring for them. And people like you and I who haven't followed the teachings of Joseph Smith or the angel Moroni, we become your angels if we're good people and all. Uh, we don't get cast out completely, but we'll become the angels and we'll be there to serve the good Mormons and to run the errands for them and all when they are operating their planets. Now, I guess if you are gods, you can create whatever kind of people you want to exist in any kind of an environment. And from the recent flyby of Saturn, that wouldn't be such a bad planet, you know. It would be very beautiful sitting there looking at rings. But they base this doctrine of ascending into a God status to this one scripture where God is referring to judges. Now, Brigham Young carried that idea back one step. The Mormons all carry it forward one step and they look forward to you know, their chance in their celestial kingdoms, take their wives and have their children and, you know, spiritual children or whatever on this planet and be their gods. Brigham Young took it back one step and he said, Adam came to the earth with one of his celestial wives, Eve. And they began populating the earth. And therefore, Adam is our God and the only God with whom we have to do. Because he was the one that started 
procreation here on the planet. That makes him a good Mormon in some other planet somewhere back. And so he came with one of his celestial wives. He's, and it's all a progression into godhood. Brigham Young carried it back one step, and of course that upsets the Mormons completely that he would carry it back one step. But it's only a logical perception that he had. If, if logically you have the capacity to be God and you're going to go have your planet, then why do we think that this is the only step? You see, no doubt back on other planets and all. And so Adam was just a good Mormon somewhere and came to the earth with one of his celestial wives, Eve, and they started the whole thing and they're overseeing it now and watching it, and he is our God, the only God with whom we have to do. And one day the whole world will realize that your salvation depends upon your believing this fact, according to Brigham Young. Not according to the word of God. Except that they are bound to accept the statements of Brigham Young as the word of God because he was speaking as a prophet of God. And when their prophets speak, that what they say is on equal par with the written word. So they've really dug themselves a hole. And it's really, uh, yeah, they dug a pit and fallen into it. But um, anyhow, God is addressing himself here even in this chapter to judges, where he makes reference, ye are gods, ye are judges. But ye shall die like men. Now, they just didn't go on far enough in the verse. God said, I said ye are gods, but you're going to die like men and you're going to fall like the princes. You may have a lot of authority and power. You may have the control of people's lives, but you're going to die just like any man. And so the cry of the psalmist, Arise, O God, judge the earth. The only true justice that shall ever arise is when God judges the earth. For God will judge the earth in righteousness. For thou shalt inherit all nations. Psalm 83 is a psalm where he is speaking out of the calamities that the enemies have brought upon them and asking for God's deliverance as he had in their past history. Asking God to work, oh God, help us now. Lord, don't keep silence, oh God. Don't hold your peace. Don't be still, oh God. God, do something. (laughs) For lo, thine enemies make a tumult. They that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. One of the difficult things today is more or less the silence of God. When I see the corruption that is being foistered upon the United States through the Hollywood movie industry, I see how that crafty people are making God seem like a, you know, making the worship of God or people believe in God, making them look like fools. Making a person who believes in righteousness or morality to look like a Archie Bunker 
type, you know, a real nut, and deliberately casting a person who would stand up for good in a bad light and glorifying the evil kind of person, making heroes out of those that are engaged in evil, poisoning the mind of the nation. I sometimes with the psalmist say, God, don't keep silence. Do something, Lord. Stop them. Break their teeth in their, teeth in their mouths, Lord. <laughs> Smash their noses against their face. God, don't keep, do something, God. It, it, stop these evil men. Oh, don't keep silent, God. Don't hold your peace. Don't be still. God, do something. For lo, your enemies are making a tumult. Those that lift, hate you have lifted up their head. They've taken crafty counsel against your people. Hired crafty counselors. They have said, come and let us cut off, cut them off from being a nation. And actually they've taken a position against Israel is what he is saying. But they confederated against you. Let's cut Israel off that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. They've consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against God. The tabernacles, and he names the nations now that have gone together, Edom, the Ishmaelites, those of Moab, the Hagarines, Gebel and Ammon, Ammon and Amalek, the Philistines and Tyre. Asher also is joined with them, and they have the help of the children of Lot. Now he's saying, God, wipe them out. Do unto them like you did to the Midianites. In the time in the book of Judges, when the Midianites came against the children of Israel, and Gideon went out against them. Do as you did to Sisera, and as to Jabin, there at the brook Kisson. Oh, Sisera and Jabin, God, he's, I mean, as you've driven a spike through their skull, you know, get them, God. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb, who were in the book of Judges also, Oreb and Zeb are about the 8th chapter or 7th chapter of the book of Judges. And under the princes of Zeba and Zalmunna, these were all princes that were slain of the Midianites who had come against Israel at the time of Gideon and were destroyed uh, by some by Gideon and others by the Ephraimites who came to help uh, Gideon. Who said, let us take ourselves the houses of God in possession. Oh my God, make them like a wheel as a stubble before the wind. As the fire burns wood and the flame sets the mountains on fire. So persecute them with thy tempest and make them afraid with thy storm. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek thy name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and troubled forever. Yea, let them be put to shame and perish that men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. God, do these things in order that men might know that you are over all things. And, and that was the real 
cry behind, oh God, it seems that these people have gathered against you, against your purposes. Now God, put them to silence. Stop them, Lord, that people might learn to respect you. Psalm 84 is this beautiful psalm of the tabernacles of God. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Jesus said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. What a beautiful expression this is of the psalmist. My heart, my flesh cries out for the living God. Dr. Henry Drummond in his book, The Natural and the Supernatural, says there is within the very protoplasm of man little tentacles that are reaching out for God. My heart, my flesh, crying out for thee, O Lord. And then he said, Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord, of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee. So he had noticed that the swallows had returned to Capistrano and made their nest in the house of God. And he is excited over this. No, they're in the tabernacles. They didn't first come to San Juan. They came to the tabernacle, and they're in the altars of God. They made their little uh, nest to lay their young. We don't have swallows, thankfully, around here because they are dirty. <laughs> but we do have sparrows that make their nest in the eaves over here. And every time I walk past and I hear little sparrows and I see them going up in the eaves and all and carrying grass up in there. And, and I think of this particular psalm of David, how that the birds, the sparrows have made their nest and all. They're, you know, at your altar. Oh, how blessed it is to be there in the place where praises are going up to God continually. How blessed it is to dwell in, in the tabernacle and the sanctuary of the Lord and just a place where praises are being offered. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee. Now the word blessed is happy. Happy is the man whose strength is in the Lord. The man who has learned to draw his strength from the Lord in whose hearts are the ways of them, who through passing through the valley of Baca make it a well, and the rain also fills the pools. The valley of Baca is a phrase that we don't quite understand. It, it, would, it, it would appear to be sort of a dry place, who even when he passes through dry places, it becomes a well and the rain fills the pools. They go from strength to strength, every one of them that appeareth before the Lord in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. And then the final thought, Behold, O God, our shield, 
and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. A day in thy courts is better than a thousand any place else. I'd rather be a doorkeeper, Lord, in your house, the lowest place in the house of God than the highest place in the house of Baal. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory, and no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Isn't that a beautiful promise? I love that promise. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed or happy is the man that trusts in thee. So happiness to the man whose strength is in the Lord, happiness to the man whose trust is in the Lord. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study, the book of Psalms, on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Psalms 82 through 84 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. God bless you and keep his hand upon your life. May he watch over you daily. And may you come to that place of a total reliance upon his strength, the acknowledging of your own weakness, the surrendering and the committing of yourself completely into his hands. And thus may your week be blessed and anointed by God. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Lord, I believe in you. I'll always believe in you. It is by faith that you've been walking into one level of spiritual maturity to another. Faith is the key to a successful Christian life. That is why the Word of God tells us, without faith, It's impossible to please God. 
It was faith that led Abraham into the land of promise. It was faith that led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. It was faith that enabled Peter to step out of the boat and to walk on water. The question is, what might faith do in you? To order a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, Faith, or to preview a chapter for free online, visit thewordfortoday.org or call 800-272-9673.